Welcome to the North Seattle Parent Education Podcast, and thank you for being here because this podcast is designed just for you. We know that parenting takes a village, and we're here to help. Tune in while you're working, driving, even cooking, and we'll provide you with valuable information each episode to support you as a parent. North Seattle Cooperative Preschools are held at many locations for ages infant to five years, plus kindergarten class and other community sites. And remember, we're always enrolling. And now, here's your host, Tanya Hino. Welcome to Parenting Takes a Village. In today's episode, we have Ali Bildo Sola. She, her, is a speech therapist, a parent. She realized early in her career that she wanted to work with kids who stutter, and their families. In 2020, she opened her prior practice to prioritize her work with this community and has is a parent co-raising a bilingual and cute child who attends the Norleaf multi-age Spanish class on Saturdays. Welcome, Ali. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is an area I don't know much about, and I am so eager to know more about stuttering and and speech therapy. Tell us a little about yourself and how do you develop the interest in this topic? I have many, many reasons. I guess the the first real like bud of this blossom that's become my my passion in my life has has been the fact that I moved around a bunch as a kid. So my parents and my brother and I moved to various places in the U.S. And every time we moved, I picked up a new accent and I realized that there were differences and I just was fascinated by that so my brother and I um you know started doing accents for fun and that act of changing your speech just a little bit and self-monitoring and realizing oh this one vowel I could change it in every place it exists is actually like a really good foundation for speech therapy so you have to be aware super aware of everything you're saying. And then if you want to change it, you can't, you know, if, if you have the ability to. So um, one thing that I think is actually funny is my parents are from Long Island and they talk like this. And growing up, I thought that the word arthritis didn't have an R in it. Cause I always say arthritis. Um, so there's a bunch of little anecdotes like that, that Um, I've collected over the years just from living in different places. But what happened with all of that is I just, I loved speech and language. And so when I went to college, I was looking into linguistics because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the study of speech and language um, from one angle. Mm -hmm. But I also was working with kids at the time. So I was a camp counselor every summer and I tutored math in the middle school. Um, while I was at college. So anyway, I I loved working with kids and I loved speech and language and the natural culmination of those things, I guess. And do you have your own practice? I do. Yeah, that was something that COVID kind of set the groundwork for because I was already virtual and then I could just really specialize in stuttering, which is all I've really wanted to do. Oh, wow. And that takes me to my next question. What is stuttering? Well, Uh, textbook definition talks about like there's the flow of speech and then stuttering is interruptions to that flow. Like if I was saying, my name is Allie, it could be interrupted with repetitions, which would be my name is Allie. Mm -hmm. There could be prolongations like my name is Allie, Mm -hmm. or there could be blocks. 
So I could say, my name is Allie. And so there's, there's different ways that you can stutter. Um, but something really important about the definition of stuttering is there's that thing that a listener hears, which is what I just described. And then there's the whole internal world of stuttering. So there's so much, um, especially because our society still thinks that it's something to be laughed at. Um, unfortunately, there's a whole lot of responses that people get, you know, kids, when they start stuttering, they very quickly notice how their environment is responding. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times they realize, oh, this is something that I shouldn't be doing. You know, that's the message they're getting. And so then they internalize these feelings of shame. Mm -hmm. And, um, so a lot of what I do is that I talk about the feelings and the thoughts that they have that have become negative just because of the messages they're receiving, you know, whether it's, Mm. on purpose or not sometimes parents are trying really hard but they're still sending the wrong message what's the origin of the word stuttering it's really interesting apparently stuttering is an onomatopoeia so it's like one of those words that describes a sound like bam or like pitter patter um so it's supposed to describe the act of stuttering wow. and and what's also cool is the word um stut in middle english meant to stop so that's, ah, that's etymology there <laughs> nice i yeah. love learning about where the, the the words and why they develop so why why people stutter or what what causes stuttering there's a whole lot there um so we don't really know or at least we know parts but we don't really know the whole we do know that genetics generally have a play so like I think it's 60% of kids who stutter have a, a family member somewhere around that also stutters. But sometimes you have kids that don't know anybody in their family that stuttered before them and things that we know impact stuttering, but we don't know if it's, you know, the only reason. There's also been a lot of like brain research, neurological research to look at areas of the brain that might be impacted in people who stutter versus people who don't. And we do know that more common for kids that have other neurological differences to also stutter. So mm -hmm. like autism or they have other speech impediments or even motor motor development might be impacted as well since speech is a very fine motor activity yes so how educators teachers parents caregivers what are the first signs of stuttering yeah that's a really good question um so generally stuttering pops up in an individual uh between two and five sometimes even up to seven um so years old usually when their language is you know, growing and um, there's a whole lot of development going on. Things that you shouldn't be concerned about because I know <laughs> parents will be listening and they'll be thinking, oh no, I've seen this before. Like, this is just going to make me more worried. So I, I want to put their minds at ease first. <laughs> okay, please do. <laughs> so there are things that you shouldn't necessarily be concerned about mm -hmm. because stuttering is pretty normal. So like 5% of all kids stutter at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time it resolves on its own. And mm -hmm. so if you see stuttering, that's like full words, like my, my, my name is Allie and I like sheep. And if it's not nice and loose like that, there's not a lot of tension. They're not really aware of it. They don't care. Like when you see that really don't be concerned. The times that you should start thinking about being concerned is when 
they're starting to feel tension or you can see the tension. Like sometimes their lips will quiver uh-huh. or their cheeks, or they're like pushing their hand to try to get it out. When you start noticing they're using other parts of their body to try to get a word out. Um, that's what we would call like a warning sign. Um, but there are a whole lot more. So <laughs> there's also, if you're noticing prolongations, like I did before with the, my name is Allie, yeah. and you're noticing that they're aware of it and they're starting to change things. If they're going into a speaking situation and they become afraid and they were never afraid of talking before, mm-hmm. or if they're avoiding situations or trying to change words and it's weird because mm-hmm. at that age, they're not, a lot of adults change words still, and it's very normal for them. They do it all the time, but mm-hmm. for little kids, when they start doing that, it's pretty noticeable. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other one that's pretty big is like, if you notice that during a stutter, they're getting louder and their voice is going higher, like that's a, an indication that there's something up. And when you see these, this is when you should reach out to a speech therapist because that's like a really good time for us to get in. It's, you know, under the umbrella of early intervention. When a family member or a caregiver wants to reach out and get a referral, do they need a referral? Do they need to have a a physician refer them to speech therapy or can they just reach out to a speech therapist directly? That's a great question. Um, It really depends on your situation. Unfortunately, in the U.S., we have so many types of insurance. And so depending on your insurance, some people need a doctor's note first. And some people can just go to like Seattle Children's and talk to the speech therapy department. I know that I get referrals from people at Seattle Children's because they do a lot of evals, Mm -hmm. but they can't do as much treatment. And so they have a big network of people that can treat after they evaluate. Mm But yeah, like I would just do some research on your insurance and talk to your doctor. And a lot of pediatricians still aren't sure when to be concerned. So I would reach out to a speech therapist just on the phone or call me. There's a little bit of a mismatch between those two fields in terms of when to be concerned. Exactly. It's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, because we work on so much more than just the speech patterns. It it can really reshape the way a kid feels about their communication. Like if they can communicate confidently, regardless of whether or not they stutter, that's Mm -hmm. all we want. We want them to feel good about themselves. We don't want them to be afraid of speaking. Of course. If your child stutters, can you ever stop stuttering? Yeah. So so 1% of the world stutters. And we know that about 5% of kids at some point stutter. So that means that the other 4% stop stuttering. Mm. Um, And usually it's just naturally. So it resolves on its own. Sometimes it stops with the help of early intervention and then the leftover 1% stutters throughout their whole lives. And so that's the the big part of the population that I work with because they're the ones that have to every day get up and open their mouth and deal with the fact that something unpredictable is about to come out. So that can be a lot to handle and I try to help them reframe it so it doesn't feel as huge a lot of anxiety dealing with with stuttering and i'm sure that not only is it helpful to get speech therapy but also some ther- emotional therapy while you do speech therapy because the world is not they, they do not embrace children or people that have stuttering in their language 
And unfortunately, because the media doesn't help either. Yeah. And as a kid growing up and only seeing that as your representation can be so disheartening. And so, I mean, what you said about the emotional part, I mean, what I am so grateful for is that my field has shifted in the past, I don't know, few decades to start thinking about holistic therapy. So I rarely talk about changing speech. Like I just work on feelings and I just try to, you know, tell them it's okay to stutter and have them actually believe that because there's so many barriers to them feeling like they're okay to stutter that, you know, I just chip away at it. With them. Oh, that's wonderful to hear that you embrace and center who they are and feel, uh, feel empowered to be who they are. Yeah, that's all I want. I just want them to say whatever they want to say, you know, not try to hide it, not try to change it, just let it out. And if you stutter, so be it. Yeah. 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 What are some resources for parents or caregivers, educators that you can provide us? Okay, there are so many. Um, <laughs> but I'll start with like, the big three, I call them in my brain, which is these three websites that are just a wealth of information, a wealth of events, you know, they host conferences for parents, for kids, for adults, they have brochures and links to books. And you know, they're just they have blogs, I could go on and on. But anyway, the three are uh, friends who stutter.org. And that's the organization friends. They're awesome. They're really kid focused. And I've gone to a few of their conferences and even like co-led one. Yeah. So if you have like a kid who stutters and you want them to meet other kids who stutter, I would send you there first. Nice. Okay. Two more. Then there's westutter.org. So that's the NSA, uh, the National Stuttering Association. And they have a lot of adult chapters where adults can meet each other. But in Seattle, I'm co-leader of the NSA family chapter so that's great because we get a bunch of kids in Seattle or you know the surrounding area since it's virtual right now um, to get together and talk with each other about stuttering or not you know just to hear other kids stutter is huge so big fan of them and then the last one <laughs> is stutteringhelp.org that's the stuttering foundation they're just a really wonderful nonprofit that um, has a lot of resources for you know, like I get a bunch of posters from them to hang up on my walls in my office and they have just, it's just, there's so much on there. Such, um, such a wealth of information, right? Yeah. And, and for our listeners out there, do not worry. I will add Ali's website and I will add Ali's information. <laughs> three, the three resources that she's providing us, we will add it to her episode. So do not worry. I'm trying to rewind to hear the resources because you will find them on our website. Thank you. That's very helpful. <laughs> there's a podcast too. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so there's a pot. Well, there are many, but the one that I listen to most often is called Stutter Talk. And so yeah. if you want to hear other people who are stuttering and talking about their experience, that's a great place to go. And since podcast listeners are listening, Yay. <laughs> wonderful. Good to know. Good. And picture books that you recommend for parents to read. There's a bunch. I will. Um, I Talk Like a River by Jordan Scott is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And if you listen, to the audiobook version, the author reads it and he stutters and it really is so powerful. It's always good to be seen. Yeah, yes. to feel represented. Like you're yes. not the only one out there because a lot of kids think they're the only ones and they're exactly. not. 
They're not. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a Boy and a Jaguar by Alan Rabinowitz is also really beautiful. That illustrations are great as well, but it brings you along his life path of learning how to speak up for animals. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, and then... Thank you, thank yeah. you for all those uh, wonderful resources. What would you recommend parents, teachers, educators, especially in education, or parents that encounter a friend in the co-op or friend in the playground that is stuttering? How do you, how would you recommend talking to children about respecting this child's needs of different way of speaking? Yeah, I love that question. And I think it's the one I get most often, even just from adult friends about how they should respond. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not familiar with people who stutter, you're not sure, you know, what is correct, like what is appropriate. And so, I mean, there's a few like points that I always say, which is just to listen. So focus on what they're saying, not how they're saying it. Um, and then be patient because yes, it might take them a little extra time, but if you try to push them to go faster, like throw them words that you think they're about to say that actually can slow them down more, um, and make them feel frustrated. So we want to be respectful. We can just wait, you know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to Mm -hmm. give a few extra seconds, minutes, whatever, however long it takes. And then, I think just like talking about stuttering in general to your kids, even if they don't encounter somebody who stutters, like, or like if you hear it on the radio, if you see it in a movie, just like, hey, that was stuttering. Like, did you know what stuttering was? And just make it normal. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like this big, scary or funny thing. I see a lot of my kids come in and they say, you know, a lot of kids were laughing at me and, and we talk about why that might be. And they always come to the conclusion, like, well, they don't know what it is. And so you know, they're laughing because they're uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. so if we can just have a dialogue about it, you know, just casually, whenever, anytime it can change the narrative of what stuttering is and what it can be, you know? Yeah. What would you say if say my child stutters and I need to talk to my child about their feeling and how to speak about their, their own way of speaking. Mm -hmm. And if people are laughing at my child, what would I, what would be my coaching methods to my child? What would I tell my child? Hey, you can do this, you know, let's practice. You can do that. What would you recommend parents do? Yeah. So that question is like what I work on a lot with Mm -hmm. my clients because it's so multifaceted. Every kid has their own needs. Like some kids, what they need is they want to be able to say like, Hey, that's not funny. I need you to stop. Some kids just, it doesn't bother them. They don't mind or they can laugh it off. It really depends on their temperament. Mm -hmm. Um, But like as a parent, all I want you to do is listen and validate those feelings. You don't have to come up with solutions. Mm. The kid will come up with his own, their own solution, however is, you know, best for them. And they can do that with the help of a speech therapist or with you, but I would never initiate trying to solve a problem because it's better for them to organically come to that themselves. Otherwise it can feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong because I'm not doing what my mom said. And I'm also not doing what my teacher said. And I'm also, and it can feel kind of like a spiral. Like there's Mm. extra pressure to not only not stutter, but also when you do stutter, respond in a certain way. And that we're adding pressure instead of relieving it. 
Oh, I love that each child can resolve their own issues. I think as parents, we want to protect them from pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. So we want to do and create solutions so that, so that we can stop that pain. Of and, course. And of that's course. such a wonderful thing that you're saying to let them navigate and not victimize them, but let them na navigate their own world, especially when every, every kid has their own temperament, even though you have starting. Right, right. And of course, like, you know, I'm not saying like, if they want to resolve this, ignore that desire, no. but just, you know, let them take the lead on that is all I mean. The key thing is listening, just validate their feelings and listening. They, they, they will come up with their own solutions or get a speech therapist and they can help them navigate with this stuff. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, like if my child ends up stuttering, which is actually, you know, fairly probable. I have a lot of family members that stutter. I would still reach out to somebody external because I want to be that comforting parent source. I don't also want to be the speech therapist. And so... I think it's really important to have the parenting takes a village. We need yeah. so many different resources and, and people taking on different roles so we can support them in a web, not just, you know, with one person trying to do everything. It, it's not. It's not a normal thing to do. What would be your, your wisdom to all of us? Parents, teachers, educators, friends that encounter someone with stuttering. There's one thing that I feel like I wanted to touch on before, and I think this probably is better responded here, but, you know, just be respectful of each person, regardless of how they speak and, and don't treat that person as a problem because there's some sort of difference. You know, I think we're we're getting to the point in our society, you know, at least I'm seeing it more and more where we're starting to love differences and embrace differences instead of trying to melt them all away in the melting pot. <laughs> you know, just treat every child, every person that you meet with respect and, and kind of just gauge where they're at and, mm -hmm. you know, let them take their own journey. Don't try to try to push them in any direction. I did want to note one more thing about parents. So what parents can do that's really impactful if their child starts stuttering and you're noticing like, oh man, this is taking a toll on them and they're having a hard time. Mm -hmm. um, you can modify the environment to make it easier for them to speak. So a lot of kids come in and they're stuttering and their parents have six different events for them planned every day and they have four siblings and all the siblings love oh. to talk and they're you know there's just a lot of demands on that child to try to get out what they want to say really really quickly before anybody else jumps in and so when you think about the environment you can actually do a lot you can have one-on-one -on -one time it doesn't have to be long just I'm going to give you five minutes every day of my undivided attention and we can do whatever you want mm -hmm. and just that gives them some space to communicate however they want. They don't even have to talk. They could just, you know, show you what they're playing with. And you can also, you know, like have a talking stick so everybody has a turn to talk. There's a lot of little tiny modifications you can do at home. There's less <laughs> demanding them to to speak in a certain way. That sounds like the right thing to do for every child. And yes, especially for children that have already stress and anxiety in speech, I cannot even imagine. I stutter, but because of a second language and I'm uh, code switching. Mm -hmm. and 
I I know that the stress that comes out of when somebody can't understand you, they turn to somebody else instead of looking at your eyes and trying to understand, really be more mindful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they turn around and like, can can you translate this? Can you help me? And I cannot imagine the pressure for these children that they go through and the anxiety in trying to get words out and and vocalize their feelings or their needs. It must be really stressful and taking time to be with them and and not over scheduling is so important. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, something that can happen really early because of all that stress is that kids can just stop speaking. So the avoidance can go so, so far. Yeah. Like, I've gotten kids in that have, haven't talked in school for two years. Oh, no, just that breaks my heart. It does. It does. And so, you know, just, just because somebody once told them like, oh, good job. You didn't stutter. Like the messages that oh. we give, which we think are good, can backfire. So we need to think about how we're talking to kids about their speech. You know, we're not complimenting a certain way. What we're saying is, thank you for telling me what you wanted to tell me. Like, that's all I care about. I don't care about how you said it. I care about what you're telling me because I love hearing what you're thinking. You know, communication at its core is so important and it gets interrupted by these negative messages that we think are positive. I know it's microaggressions, constant microaggression. And we think it's coming from good intent and it is creating a great impact in these children's and why do we have to evaluate everything? Why do we have to, I don't understand why we do that. Why can't we just be there? Right. I mean, do we have to say that you have a, that you have a cute shirt? I mean, right. you have to say things like that. I mean, we don't have to say anything. Like that. I mean, your presence is good enough. Right. Right. Like, thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for sharing ideas. We're, we're human beings uh, sharing spaces and you're making time for me. And that's the important part. I, I just don't know where we started evaluating people and, and, right. and, and that hurts people's feelings. You're evaluating whether it's good or bad, good or bad, good or bad. And it's in a spectrum. A lot of times, you know, I get a mom who stuttered her whole life you know, still stuttering, but she was told that it wasn't okay and you weren't supposed to talk about it. And so it's okay that it's going to take her some time to get used to this new idea. You know, it's, I know that we're all shifting, you know, we need to be patient with the slower end of of that shift. And And we don't know people's trauma behind all of it or accept the new changes from morning to night. Right. It's a process. It really is a process. Any last words that you would like to share with the audience? I just feel like we need to embrace the idea that it's okay to stutter. It's okay to talk in different ways. It's okay to speak different languages. It's okay to be whatever gender you are. And it just speaks to our moment that I'm even speaking to you right now, but it feels really important that I'm able to represent this 1% of the population and let people know that it's not something to be feared and that there are so many resources out there. So you don't have to feel alone because I, I think the biggest thing I hear is that I'm the only one. I don't know anybody else. I don't know what to do. And so just knowing you don't have to feel that way. Like I'm here and I have so many resources for you. Yeah. Truly embracing diversity and that we are not all the same, that we're all different and we speak differently. And that doesn't make us better or worse. It just is who we are and yeah. we're unique. Everybody's so unique and 
and we are make part of this world a better place really yeah 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 it makes it more beautiful Exactly. And just embracing our people. And again, no one is better than other. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Parenting Takes the Village. I hope that this episode was helpful and educational. Until next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the North Seattle College Parent Education Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Visit our website for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about our upcoming events. See you next time.